grand rising everyone i like coming to live spread and coffee got my coffee here mm-hmm yum oh so good okay let's get started um reading from the emerald tablet alchemy for personal transformation an amazing book read it several times and uh, I highly recommend that you read it and I think um, oh it's kind of funny because I think I was reading here um, I have two pages marked for the readings but I want to go back and read something that I might have already read just because it is about cosmology and consciousness which is an amazing topic to get into to start to understand how cosmology fits into it and you could say science right science is part of cosmology it is the understanding of nature itself and how we are all interconnected to that unfolding or emerging of the narrative or the story or the creative potential that seems to be emanating in everything so we would say perhaps that God is creative um, or the divine is creative or the great mother is creative whatever you call it okay so uh, pretty interesting um, so at the other end of the intellectual spectrum scientists working in quantum mechanics and astrophysics are forced to confront the divine presence concealed in matter uh, physicists are slowly realizing that both ends of the universe from the smallest atom to the largest galaxy consciousness the mind of the emerald tablet plays a fundamental role in creating reality. This stems from the knowledge summarized by astronomer Sir James Jeans is heading towards a non-mathematical reality. The universe begins to look more like a great thought than a great machine. Mind no longer appears to be accidental intruder into the realm of matter. We're beginning to suspect that we ought rather to hail it as a creator and a governor of the realm of matter. So it's a creator and 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 it is creative potential and i think that's what i was talking about the other day not i think i know i was talking about that you know that the universe itself is creative it emerges out of creativity and try to explain it or to understand it is that there is this the way i see it now i'm not saying this is true because i asked this question and i don't know that physicists are asking this question where they don't understand dark energy and dark matter but Perhaps dark matter is the creative potential and it just needs light to illuminate its beauty, right? In other words, dark darkness or dark matter is beautiful. And when we illuminate it or shed, shine light on it, we can see its magnificence because light gives it form. Light gives it the opportunity to show itself. And typically we think of this the opposite way, that if we look in the dark, there's scare, scary things and creatures and whatever, and that may be the ca the case that some of the creative potential that out there that is out there is unpleasant, but it's still creative. And so when we're looking in the darkness or the dark matter, which is something people fear, rather than fear it, recognize it for its magnificence and its beauty, and that in that darkness there's creative potential. But light itself will illuminate what's in the darkness. Now. The darkness is not always spooky or scary. When we illuminate it, we see these beautiful things. And we can say that this is happening. And I would almost imagine that physicists are going to go, uh, I'm sure there's a theory out there. If I'm thinking about it, I guarantee physicists are thinking about it. Right? Because every time I think of something that I'm like, oh, you know, are they thinking of it this way? And then I go 
and then do research and guess what? Yes, there's already a theory. There's already somebody looking into it. Um, and there's already somebody who's thought of it, right? Because we we don't, <laughs> we all kind of think collectively, right? Hey, Roberto, how are you? Um, and so looking at the darkness, now we fear the darkness and we've made the darkness wrong and that has caused a detriment to humanity altogether. Everybody just wants to be in the light and light is amazing. And we do talk about the keys of light because it's nice to be illuminated and show our creative potential. Now, when we're looking at the human being, now let's let's just talk about the word hue, man, right? Which we're talking hue is a color scheme. We're hue, man, that we are, are matter trapped. Our light is trapped. You see, we're matter, we're dense, and that's where the densities come in. How, how are we stuck to this particular storyline, this narrative, this earth? Well, we're trapped light right now. And, and we see this, and that's why we have the craziness going on in the world as well. This is another way, another um, way to look at what we see going on is that we're trapped light, right? If we try to go uh, to the speed of light, we wouldn't. We, we, there's no way we can. Even if we made the most powerful rocket, we couldn't because as matter travels, it collects more matter. It needs more energy to stay up with the speed of light. Light itself has no matter and no mass and they don't even know what light is to be honest with you they they say they do but here's the deal it's all very theoretical and at the end of the day it's a theory so they don't really know they say that light has a speed but what if it's not speeding anywhere okay light just is and it illuminates but maybe we're moving and the light is just touching us somehow Right. And and so physicists are looking into this and this is not just, um, you know, a, a conversation that's woo woo out there. This is something that actual physicists are trying to figure out. They measure things to the speed of light. Right. And then they said, oh, well, light's not the fastest thing. Now, you know, we have particles um, when we look in the quantum world and there is no there's no just there's no traveling for them we can't measure how they travel we don't know how they travel and that's the big like scratching the head of well how does this work well perhaps they're the darkness and the creative potential to to find their creative space and place maybe there is no need to measure their movement or how they move or what their speed is maybe there is no speed so these are things that we think about and how does this all equate to what we're doing today here's the reason why talking about this stuff is critical and we talk about like well what is the the practical use of, of all of this information the practical use of this information is that we as humans need stories we live through story we're storytellers and without a narrative, we don't understand our place in the world because we're questioning constantly. Who are we? Why are we here? What is our purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? We need a narrative. We need a story. And right now, what's, what's happening in the world and why people are so freaked out is because the old narratives don't work. The old narratives are not working. Now, not the ancient narratives. I'm talking about our old narrative or the new old narrative, I should say the new old narrative. The new old narrative is what we're living in today. Our governments, our systems, our structures. 
Now, I'm not saying that we didn't have this kind of structure prior. The narrative was a bit different, though, and how we interacted with the systems was different, and we had a different result. The result being like the pyramids, right? We see the structures, and we see the buildings, and we see all of the things that were constructed during that particular narrative. We see how civilizations created and co-created. So when we see, for instance, we talk a lot about Native Americans, right? And so looking at Native Americans and looking at their structures and, and thinking, well, what's the narrative that played along with them? They have a narrative. They had oral traditions. They had storytellers. And those storytellers held the sacred wisdom and they passed it from generation to generation. We, we ripped Okay, and I say we because part of my family was part of the colonizing. I'm part uh, indigenous to New Mexico and I'm also part <laughs> Spanish. So I'm, I'm both. I'm a result of all that trauma. And so what do we say? Well, the narrative changed, right? When they came to colonize, that narrative was ripped from the people. They said, you can no longer tell your stories. You can no longer dance. You can no longer do your drumming. They were ripping the narrative apart. And they said, here's your new narrative. And they fed them a new narrative, which was boarding schools or whatever they were in. And they said, you know, this is the Christian way. This is how we do it. And this is the story you're going to believe. Prior to that, their belief wasn't Christian based. They didn't, that's not how they thought. There's, there's, and there was different tribes that had different narratives, different ways, and that how they engage that narrative is how they co-created in their society. So right now, people are saying, well, what do we do? Well, we need to change the narrative. That's, that's the point. We're storytellers. And as we change the narrative, we start to shape culture. We start to shape the way the, the world around us looks. In, in indigenous times, they had honored both the sacred uh, mother and the sacred father. That there was both. The great mother was honored. See, she's not honored today. When we look at corporations, when we look at the way societies are structured in the Western world, in America, which has done probably the most damage in this world, um, we see that it was based on a patriarch and there was no, there was no matriarch really involved in these, these ideas. And there was no honoring the great mother, right? We don't honor the great mother in the Western world. That's not the way we've shaped the story or the narrative. The narrative is man, okay, man has dominion over everything. No, we don't have dominion. And by man, they mean man. Even women, they're saying they have dominion over women. They don't. And when we start to look at the narrative, we start to say, oh my God, we've totally just <laughs> took out that women were even worthy of being like a man. I mean, when you look at the storyline in the narrative, what does it do to the woman? Okay, it even puts her under, it's like, whoa, man, right? Instead of woman, it's like, whoa, man. Like, woe to them. That's not the narrative they had in these indigenous cultures. It wasn't that, um, you know, everything came from man. 
that's not even the case. When you start looking and you start understanding the narrative, which is changing, and this is the reason why we're in this big change and transformation is because we're starting to look at it and say, yeah, these old stories aren't working. They're not working. We're waking up and recognizing that the story and the narrative doesn't line up with what we see in the world. Now, cosmology and consciousness is another way to look at it. It's a narrative, I think, that can help. I like the narrative. Um, at first, I was kind of resistant because it was science-based, but no, it's actually quite amazing because what it does is it honors both the, the mother and the father. It says, hey, we're all, we emerge from this creative potential. That creative potential had both creative energies in it. And it's an integral approach where it says everything is interconnected and it's not separate. So when we start looking at the storyline and the narrative through that lens, it's kind of awesome because we can replace it. And when we're able to replace the narrative, when we're able to create a new narrative, we can start to heal the earth. So that's why it's important. It's important because we're oral people where we we speak we communicate we have the need to commune with individuals right together we come together we the one of the most sacred things that we used to do as people is sit around the table over food and why was that so critical we don't do that you don't see families doing that as much anymore I love to do that. I love to sit around a table and have dinner and put away phones and have deep conversations. Those things don't happen as much. People are on their phone. They're not paying attention. They're just eating like nothing. But we're so interconnected to food. Food is nurtures us, right? It grows us. It helps us to become who we are. It, it, it supports our cellular, our respiratory, our lungs, our liver or kidney, all that stuff. In order for us to operate, we need living food to help us. We can't be without it. We can go without it for quite some time, but eventually you'll starve to death. So we, we eat the food of the earth and that was something we shared together. We sat around tables and we had this community um, where we said, okay, we had people who perhaps there was gatherers and then there was hunters, right? And, and people would gather and they would eat, um, they'd make these meals together and then they would communicate together and then they would prep and then they would sit down and enjoy and be grateful for the harvest. Grateful to the earth. Well, we don't do that. We're disconnected from our food. But see, this new narrative can help us be reconnected. It reminds us, reminds us that we're all interconnected and that separation of dominion over doesn't know because they wanted to put man at the center of the universe and we're not at the center of the universe. We're not, we're a part of it. We're, we're a part of that creative energy and potential and we have the ability to co-create with the energy potential and we have the ability to be as creative as the universe where we are a walking universe but what we've done is said oh no we're separate and we have these systems designed specifically saying that we can just do whatever we want and run amok 
And we have these corporations who have gone way too far. I mean, it's almost ridiculous how far they've gone. People with hoarding money, I mean, for what? Like, seriously. I, I wished I could get in front of all these people and be like, why? Like, to feed an ego, to make you feel important. And if those are the reasons why, well, I want to feel important, well, you're telling me you feel like you're not important and that somehow hoarding all this money and wealth is going to make you feel important. It doesn't even make sense to me. Who does that? When you have a whole world full of resources and you want to hoard them all for yourself. What? And then act like you're at the top of the food chain, really doing a detriment to the entire planet. And this is like a small percentage of people that are raping and pillaging the lands. And we're so far into the system that we don't even know how to get out of it. That's how much trickery and manipulation that's been put upon us. Now we're like, how do we get out? And it's funny, I talk about this all the time. And, you know, my friend was telling me, yeah, this and that and the other. And I was trying to tell her, well, you've got to think above it, right? You've got to rise above it. But she started watching this movie, Cowboys, or I don't know what it is. It's a series. Somebody, I don't know if somebody else is watching it. And then she started to understand how things have sort of are come to be, right? What happened? Very few people, why, are, are raping the earth. And, and we ourselves are not saying anything. We're the masses. If we took the masses of individuals that have suffered from what the few, the tiny few have done, we could overthrow that system and recreate new systems that work in harmony. Now, not overthrowing violence, but simply say, no, you don't get to do this anymore. This is not okay. And the reason why we haven't transitioned is because nobody has a structure that can work. And, and people will be afraid to go to the new system. We're so far gone. We've built our own prison. That's really what we've done. We've built our own prisons. Unable to re be released from the cage. It's like the cave, right? Plato's cave or whatever, where we can't see. And then somebody's outside and they're trying to tell the rest of the people, look, 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 but they can't see. They can't see because they're still inside the cave. They're too afraid to leave the cave. They're just watching the shadows pass by, not understanding. So it's really kind of a complex thing. It's kind of difficult. The best way to, to explain it, um, I think that I said is like white supremacy or dominance. Let's let's put dominance as as it. It's not the acts of dominance. That's you know people say well white um, supremacy is not the shark. Dominance isn't the shark. It's the ocean. In other words, the fish don't know they're swimming in an ocean. The fish don't understand that they're swimming in the ocean. We don't even understand that we're swimming in a white supremacist world. And that's what it is. The majority of the world. It's not color. It's not a human being. It's not all whatever. People have leveraged that energy. And, and we have something called maybe white privilege, which people don't understand. And it's a hard topic to talk about, right? Because people 
take it personal. But the reality is, is we're swimming in this ocean and we don't know how to get out of it. We have to change the narrative. We have to reconstruct. We have to take down and reconstruct. And it's going to take a whole hell lot of us. A lot. Not an easy task. Um, and I, I say, well, what are what are my tasks? That's what I say. Well, how do I contribute? Well, I get on here and I speak. That's what I do. I'm an I'm a storyteller. So I get on and I storytell. And I give people information to kind of ignite that energy potential within them. And hopefully something inside them triggers and says, oh, okay. And put you on a trajectory of giving your gifts to the world. That's what I tell people, my followers, individuals who I'm like, go do your thing. Go do the thing that you know how to do and give back to the world. Give your magic to the world. That's what's important. How are you giving back your gifts? And when you understand the information, you can't take it back. And then it becomes our responsibility. And that's the thing. We get to take responsibility for the new narrative and what is to come. It's going to get harder before it gets easier because we're so ingrained in it that nobody's budging. That's the thing. You don't see people budging. It's hard. People talk about it. But talking and action are two separate things. They're just different. I can talk all day. That's why I have. So for me, right, I say, okay, I do spirit and coffee. I'm never going to charge for it. Good morning, Talian. I'm never going to charge for spirit and coffee. At one point, I may ask for donations to keep it going because all of it comes out of my pocket, right? I have to pay for all of the things that, that are come with it. Why? Because I understand that this information is so important. That money doesn't matter. It's not about the money. It's about getting the information out. So I do it daily. Well, Monday through Friday. Monday through Thursday now. Sorry, I don't do Fridays. And I do this, right? Over and over and over again. Giving back, giving back, giving back, giving back. Now, the thing is, is that if I if I do, like for instance, it's hard. It's hard for these for spiritual individuals to ask for for money. We typically don't. And you'll see, and someone who does, then you start to question, are they authentic? It's hard. You see, it's a hard situation to be in. You see that like Jesus Christ. You don't see Jesus Christ saying, hey, I want all these riches for my teachings. No. What did he do? He went into the church and he said, you know, quit making my God's house blasphemy. Like he threw everything all over the place. And he's like, what the hell are you guys doing? This isn't a marketplace. The place of, of worship. But we see that they take and take and take. So what do we do? How do we operate? It's it's pretty complex and it's not an easy thing, right? Most people feel like they can't give their spiritual gifts because they're going to ask for money. Then it becomes a job. And they have to work. So when do they find the time to be able to give back? It becomes this very weird thing that we're stuck in. We're kind of trapped held in bondage and how do we get out of the bondage again it's the narrative we have to change the narrative and it's together united now each individual do we have one particular way to do it not necessarily everybody has their own perspective and their own way 
but as we so there's organized chaos now i don't know we're going into fractals and i don't know if you guys know about fractals um uh christina you probably would because um roberto i don't know if you're still here because the guy who created the fractals is here in new mexico and in fact he's in albuquerque and he does something called first friday fractals and all over albuquerque we have fractals put up on places because fractals create these beautiful creative motifs now fractals we're starting to understand that organized chaos is like fractals so looking at how the pendulum swings we we know that chaos here's the the distinction between the chaos and organized chaos when we talk about let's say a pendulum swinging from side to side we know that the pendulum itself will create a pattern right it'll just go it's almost like a smiley face right it goes from one end to the other now if you put a pendulum on a pendulum and you swing it we can't predict what pattern's gonna arise from it so organized chaos is unpredictable we can't predict it but we do know that there's some organization in the way that it's constructed and that's a kind of like a fractal and we can see the chaos but we see that these patterns start to arise so right now let's just say we're in organized chaos and new patterns are going to start to surface and new narratives are going to start to surface and all of us are going to have to do it together and it's going to look messy at first but eventually a pattern will start to arise from it okay we always sit around the table growing up just did a seminar on the yoga eating and one of the suggestions was to create a sacred space for meals i agree with that totally that's beautiful and then also oh yeah i love fractals never did the fridays though so if you guys are ever interested tulian i don't know where you are but if you're ever interested um in coming to albuquerque i highly suggest you go to the first friday fractal um i think they're still doing it um and they play pretty cool rock music and then they show you fractals in the planetarium it's pretty cool you get kind of dizzy though if you're not used to that because it's like motion <laughs> i got dizzy the first time i was like whoa it's a little crazy it almost feels like you're in a trip or you're on a trip but it does kind of show and you see fractals happening in nature nature shows us the, the fractal patterning and the interconnection so right now we're in organized chaos another way to say the things that i've already said now remember the narrative you know you're going to hear me say the same things nothing new under the sun different dialogue different language People will say we're in darkness. Well, darkness equates to chaos. Chaos is we don't understand what's going on, but out of chaos comes order. So we can say that we're creating a fractal and we just don't know what the pattern's gonna look like. We don't understand it yet. But as we co-create, as we create a new narrative, something will surface. And we're kind of afraid of that because no one teaches us that. No one teaches us how to go through the chaos. Everything has to be orderly and perfect all the time, right? We have this whole idea in our brains that things need to be perfect. And that's like the worst thing we can do for ourselves. There's nothing that's perfect. There's always going to be an imperfection. There's always this change or this balance, right, that we have to look for.
like we're like okay maybe things are perfect for like 2.2 seconds and then something screws up right you do your hair it looks perfect for like a second and then boom you move your head and that's it it's not perfect anymore so nothing is perfect and there's always going to be chaos but no one taught us that let's keep everything nice and neat nice and organized Well, sometimes the, the most beautiful patterns come out of chaos. So we have to we have to go through the chaos. Another way to look at it is through the tarot. Tarot Dick talks about the tower. The tower, when you look at the card, it looks like chaos. I mean, sometimes it's even like, whoa, it's like too much, kind of scary looking. People jumping out of buildings, the whole structures are being demolished. And then the next one is the star, where everything is like in harmony. So we have these ways of constructing. Now, the narrative, okay, it's, it's the narrative that's going to help us. And that's what I was talking about earlier. How do we shape the world through our narrative? Because how we, how we narrate the next phase of this world is going to be important. People are looking for the new narrative. And they're looking to cosmology and consciousness. I like the narrative, actually. I like it because it's sort of nerdy when it comes to science, but it also allows for the spirit to enter and allows for us to understand how we, uh, how tiny we are and yet how blessed we are at the same time. How tiny and how big, because like if you start to look at how things were created, we're first of all, I think we're in our fifth, fourth stellar evolution, basically. So, and I think I've talked about it before because helium, right, it heats up and, and then there's explosions and then the helium and hydrogen come together and they bond. And before you know it, there's fusion and all this stuff starts to happen and then it creates and then it explodes, right? You have these stars and then they do supernovas. And what happens with the supernovas is when it explodes the debris from that that those gases create a new gas we could see this we can describe it and here's why spiritual alchemy is so badass and i love spiritual alchemy spiritual alchemy puts it in a very easy way to understand everything in the universe it's really true because with one out of one you have two so one actually equals two because if you look at one there's there's two right and it splits and out of two comes three the same thing happens in nature and in cosmology the particles that bind together they create something new so when a supernova happens and the gases are just spewed out across the earth what happens to these particles is they start to create new things and iron was a big one Right, iron is they say in the core, but it's also in our body. We need iron. Trust me, I had iron issues for so long, and having iron issues is not fun. If our iron is off in our body, we're screwed. Like you will die. Like I was nearly to death because my iron levels were bad. So iron, literally, when they say we are the stars, we literally are. The earth itself has an iron core. That's what they say. There's iron in there. 
Well, that was created from stardust. Right? And so we have all of these evolutions of stars and it took like four stellar evolutions and explosions and supernovas and all that to come to where we are today. Okay. Now this is a narrative. It's not the only narrative. There's a lot of theory there. There's a lot of, we don't understand because we're human. We can only understand so much of it, right? There's different ways. There's even like, we're in the matrix. We're in this or that, of course. There's all these different ways and narratives that are starting to surface. How do we construct a narrative that's going to help us? And who cares? Anyway, we could talk about this all day, but who cares? Well, we care because humans need narratives. We need to understand our place in the world. That's part of our existence. It's part of who we are. We've done it since the beginning of time. We've hydroglyphics. People were trying to describe, communicate together. You know, there was language created so we can talk, so we can observe and, and discuss what we're seeing in our perspective and who we are. And then we started to question. And so the narrative got bigger and bigger and bigger. And so now we're just looking for a new narrative. And that narrative can help reshape the way the world is going if we do it in enough time. Because who knows? We may or may not have enough time to do it. So fingers crossed <laughs> and do your part. Who are you? Like, who are you truly? And how are you going to give back? And how do you want to give back? And how do you want to put your heart into this world so that you can help, you know, the next generations to come? And that's really how it goes. So there you have it. Um, again, the Emerald Tablet, um, Alchemy for Personal Transformation, a really awesome book. I highly recommend you read it. Um, and I haven't 100% been reading from it because I'm so, I'm reading for my cosmology and consciousness class, which has been like amazing, right? Love that class. Um, and also social intelligence, um, which I could talk about eventually. Social intelligence, of course, I love the whole cause consciousness conversation. Um, that's what I'll get my PhD in is going into consciousness because it's just excites me. I can nerd out to it all day. I could read about it all day. I could talk about it all day, but there's also the nonviolent communication with social intelligence. It's a great subject too. Cause I, of course I'm not just one thinking one way where, um, the book itself is really good. And it talks about how do we speak nonviolently, um, to individuals. And that's really how do we accept our emotions? Again, alchemy. All of this shit is alchemy. Excuse my language, but it is. The beginning of time, the cosmology and consciousness, alchemy. If we go into the matrix theory, alchemy. If we, any everything in every system. If we talk about the construct of America, alchemy. If we talk about um, Indian Vedas, alchemy. If we talk about Ayurvedic medicine, alchemy. See, you're getting the point here. <laughs> it's just an umbrella. It's it's just a way to describe. And as we understand alchemy, we understand other systems. Language, alchemy. Symbols, alchemy. Politics, alchemy. Chemistry literally stole the word from spiritual alchemy. <laughs> so... Alchemy exists everywhere. And as we start to understand it, and we start to understand how it's applied, 
um, we can then become part of the dialogue from a different perspective, not the same perspective that everybody else is speaking from. Most people don't realize or understand alchemy. They don't spend their time learning it. Um, and so they typically will go into these uh, conversations and dialogues and not understand why nothing changes. Well, that's because alchemy is the process of transformation and most people don't understand that process. Most people don't understand what it means to transform into. You know, they look at it, they understand it from like, they'll look at a butterfly and they'll say, oh yeah, I can see how that happens. But alchemy is happening at different various levels in all different places, not just in nature itself. Humans are leveraging that. So here's what happened. Humans understood that, leveraged it, and then used it for their own personal gain. And so we need to understand it, how to undo the dialogue and to recreate the dialogue. So we need to undo the, the, the narrative and recreate the narrative. And we can take from stories and oral tradition, but we can also take from these new, like the cosmology and consciousness narrative that's, that's arising. Pretty cool shit, actually. It makes you feel kind of cool. And I'm starting to see that this narrative is surfacing in various places all over. You're going to start seeing it where they're starting to show how we humans and then it it shows us zooming into the tiniest particle to the biggest particle. Again, the orbis is what's being used. The scientists that are doing this and trying to put this dialogue into something that's meaningful used an alchemic symbol to show how this fits into the world. They use the snake swallowing its tail and then they put the entire storyline of the cosmos on there. They put cosmology in an alchemic symbol. So I highly recommend that you look at that. And I said that yesterday. And I'm going to keep saying it because it's interesting and it's very, it's, it's important that people understand because if we're swimming in the ocean, right, of dominance or white supremacy or any supremacy, when we're swimming in the ocean and we can't see it, how do we get out of it? Well, we have to, we have to understand the ocean. We have to understand that we're in it. Everybody. Not just one, not just two, all of us. I call that a curse. We're under this curse. And that narrative and that curse, we can't get out of it. And we can't get out of it. Why? Because we don't know how to change the dialogue. We don't know how to change the narrative. We're stuck. We're creating our own prisons. And we're not looking at it from another perspective. Good morning, Freedom. So looking at it from that narrative, that different perspective. And, and, and so we have cosmology and consciousness. Now, did that, and I'll just give this last point, did that happen overnight? Hell no. Do you know that for us to be where we are when it comes to like the cosmology and consciousness, now, did it do good or bad? I'm not even going to get into that because always, there's always bad that comes out of the stuff we try to do. But what's good about it? Well, we had these individuals who were alchemists who did things um, underground because they would have been killed if they knew that they were doing their alchemy. They continued doing the alchemy. And now what's happened is science, right? They branched off from religion because religion wouldn't set, accept the idea that reality wasn't what they were saying, right? There was these theories and concepts 
And they were saying, that's just the way it is. We're not going to change. Well, now what do we see happening? We see religion saying, oh, well, we might have to change our narrative because people, first of all, they're not coming to church. They don't believe what we said. What we said was incorrect. Some of the stuff in there doesn't even make sense. And so now they're having to change the narrative. They're saying, well, we accept science now. But before, you would have been killed. <laughs> and it was alchemy that they were practicing. Now, good, right, wrong, or bad, it brought us to this point. And this point is we did a lot of damage in the process, but we also have the opportunity to shift the narrative into something that's beautiful and understand who we are in this whole entire spectrum of the cosmos. So there you have it. Okay. Um, and by the way, Freedom, I just want to say this on here. Um, I was born and raised Catholic. I just thought I would spill that out there because I know that you'd send me some around. I don't know how you feel about this or that. But um, I was born and raised Catholic. Um, I uh, believe in a lot of the teachings of Christ. So I talk about Christ a lot on here because there's a lot of really good parables and information and believe that, um, as a friend would say, he was the, the um, probably the most esteemed creditor ever to exist or walk on the planet. Now, the teachings being, how do we know? Because very simple, right, understandings. But in my worldview, there are many um, ascended masters that have walked the planet. And so that's the only difference, right, is that most people will say Christ is our savior, blah, whatever. And I'm not saying he's not, and I would never take that away from anybody. Whatever your belief is, is your belief. No judgment here. Spiritual alchemy is not about judgment. Um, it's just about opening your mind to the different ways of looking at the world. So however you believe it to be. And in fact, if you look at my website, you'll see that this entire podcast, I had want, been wanting to do a podcast for the longest time. Um, and it really, the way it started, um, or the way that I started to be consistent, because I was talking about different subjects, right? I was like, let me get really honed in on the subjects I want to talk about. Um, and spirituality has always been my thing. I've always been connected to spirit. So and spiritual alchemist. So I'm like, I was reading uh, The Christ Blueprint, which if you haven't read it, Freedom, 13 Keys to Christ Consciousness, which is a really amazing book. Like I've read it, I don't even know how many times. In fact, I read it twice on Spirit and Coffee. And that is the book that ignited my, uh, my reason for being here. And so it really is what, Christ, what is Christ consciousness and how, do, how can we leverage the consciousness of that particular archetypal energy? I'll say archetypal energy. That makes it easy. So looking at it and the keys to it. And I started reading and I was like, oh my God, I feel like this is my soul written on paper. And then born spirit and coffee is, uh, that's how it was born. And literally January 29th was his four year anniversary of spirit and coffee. So I've been doing this for four years. So if you go back um, and even on my Facebook page, you can see the first, um, live video which has changed but I did it live I didn't do Podbean um, Podbean was a later thing and so I did my live videos on Facebook and on my personal page to begin with so um, it's called the Christ consciousness 13 keys are um, yeah the, the Christ blueprint 13 keys to Christ consciousness um, and I would say that um, 
if you get confused, you can go on my website because I think I mentioned it there that that's how this got started. Also, if you go to my Facebook, you'll see my live videos and my big old face. <laughs> I always tell people, go see my big old face online. And you'll see that um, when I started, you can even probably see the evolution of my thought process because it changes. It doesn't stay the same. Alchemy is about transformation. It's not about being stuck in one place. And I went through so many transformations and changes during that period, during this evolution of Spirit and Coffee. But that book is amazing. So there you go. Hopefully that's a good answer. Hopefully, or hopefully not good answer. Hopefully that answers the question that you had. Um, so there you go. All right. So have a great day. I will be talking to you guys tomorrow. Um, hopefully I'll be able to read some of this book. <laughs> I haven't been reading because... Like I said, I've been reading other things, um, but look at fractals. Fractals are cool. You can even go online and you can play with fractals. It's kind of cool. And if you ever come to New Mexico and to Albuquerque, go to the planetarium and go to First Friday Fractals. Pretty cool. I mean, not pretty cool. It's really freaking cool. You feel like you're in some psychedelic, I don't know what, but fractals are literally um, a mathematical algebraic expression. They put it into a computer and they realize the patterns of an algebraic, uh, algebraic expression create these beautiful patterns. And out of chaos comes this order. So pretty cool. Anywho. All right. So there you have it. I love you guys. Have the most amazing Tuesday ever. And I will be seeing you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye.